0: Hello and welcome to Messages at BBC. In these messages, you'll hear from professors, staff, guest speakers, as well as students. These messages were spoken and recorded on campus at Boise Bible College. If you'd like to check out Boise Bible College, please see our website at boisebible.edu. Thank you, Nell, for that overly generous introduction. Nell is a rock star. Uh, She works with us with Inspire Idaho as we equip young people aging out of foster care to flourish as adults and uh, Derek, I'm pretty convinced you married way over your head my friend and uh, It's okay because I did too. You know my wife Debbie and uh, But I'm a big Nell fan. I'm a big Derek fan and it is an honor to be with you this morning knowing that you love the Lord and you love God's Word And today I'm just going to teach one verse of Scripture, though I'll bounce around a little bit. It's one verse of Scripture that impacts me daily by reminding me who I am as God's adopted Son in Christ. Reminds me that I am deeply loved, fully pleasing, and totally accepted by God in Christ every moment of every day in my highs and in my lows all and only because God has united me to Jesus Christ by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And this truth sets me free from the evil one who taunts me daily with shame. Anybody else? This truth sets me free by giving me the perspective I need to live in the joy and peace that Jesus purchases for us. And that compels me to follow him into the life he's purchased for us at the cross by his grace. And my hope this morning and in this brief time together is that God would give you a fresh glimpse, a fresh vision of what it means to be his adopted son or daughter in Christ. So, God, we trust you to open your word to us. We trust you to show us who you are and who we are in Christ for your glory and our best. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you would turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, I have it up on the screen. I'm using ESV because that's what I do. Uh, and if you want to use another version, that's okay. It says all the same stuff just a little differently. I love this verse of Scripture where Paul says... For our sake, he, that is God the Father, made him, that is Christ, to be sin, even though he knew no sin, so that in him, that is in the righteous Christ who bore our sin, we might become the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. That's how God sees you if you belong to Jesus Christ today. Now, this verse falls in the context of Paul talking about God reconciling us to himself, bringing us back into the fullness of the relationship he always desired for us to have in him. And this reconciliation, Paul says, begins in verse 17 with the beautiful doctrine of regeneration, of God giving us a new heart and a new desire to know and follow him. And in my understanding, it is this regeneration that leads us into faith in Christ so that we are reconciled to God through what the Apostle Paul refers to as justification. Anybody at a Bible school heard that word? justification, all right, which is to be made right in the eyes of God. This justification we, reason, we re- receive through our union with Christ. Now, in Paul's day, the word justification or to be justified meant to be acquitted. What does it mean to be acquitted? If you go to, go to court, you're accused of a crime and you're acquitted. What does that mean? you're cleared right you are declared not guilty and that's a good thing unless you wanted to be guilty for some reason but the beauty of the gospel as paul makes clear in 2 corinthians 5:21 is that in christ we are doubly acquitted oh this is good news First, God forgives us for our sins in Christ. Christ bears the guilt of our sin on the cross so that we bear it no more. And as if that wasn't good enough, Paul makes clear in this verse that having cleansed us from our sin, God then crowns us with the very righteousness of Christ so that God sees you and he sees me in Christ just as he sees Jesus right now. Do you know that? that God is pleased with you right now in this moment just as he is pleased with his son, Jesus Christ. God sees Jesus not only as blameless or without sin, but as day by grace through faith, perfectly righteous. And because you are in Christ, if you belong to him today by grace through faith, God sees you not only as blameless, but as his perfect, righteous, obedient sons and daughters because you've been united to the perfect, obedient Christ. And when this gets a hold of your heart, You will never be the same. This seeped into my heart. This reality has grown in my heart and set me free to enjoy the Lord in ways I never thought possible. And my prayer for you as we unpack this verse this morning is that you would allow it to seek into your heart and that you would experience God in a brand new way. Understanding what I'm trying to tell you this morning, will what God says to you, don't worry about what I say to you, but what God says to you, understanding this will transform your relationship with God, with yourself, and with everybody you interact with. So we look at this verse together. Let's go back. For our sake, God made him to be sin who knew no sin. What does it mean that Christ knew no sin? Speak to me. He never sinned, okay? He never committed sin, all right? That's how we can talk about it in the negative, that he never committed sin. We see in Hebrews chapter 7, it was fitting for us to have such a high priest, holy, innocent, separated from sinners, right? So we can talk about Jesus as, as having never known sin in the negative sense by saying he never sinned, he never did wrong, but we can also talk about it in the positive sense by saying that Jesus fully obeyed the law, that he was fully obedient to God. What did Jesus say? I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. John, when John baptizes Jesus, Jesus says, I want you to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And 1 Peter says that Jesus Christ suffered, and he says, the righteous for the unrighteous. And it's a categorical distinction. Jesus, the righteous one, is the fully obedient one, the one who obeyed God to death, as Paul says in Philippians chapter 2. From the moment of his incarnation, even before that, he obeyed the Father. No matter what it meant, becoming a servant, dying, even a death on a cross for us, To redeem us, Jesus was obedient to the Father, fully obedient to God, even to the point of death. So when Paul says that Jesus knew no sin, he's not only saying he never sinned, he's saying he obeyed God perfectly and is therefore perfectly righteous. But notice he says that God the Father made him, that is Christ who knew no sin, to be sin what does that mean? Well, Peter talks about it, 1 Peter 2, 24. Has anybody got it? Jesus bore our sins in his body. That God actually laid our sins upon Christ at the cross. Now, to understand what's going on here, you need to get a really big theological word, imputation or impute. There are three imputations in Scripture that really matter, all right? The first is when Adam's sin was imputed to us, right? And we became sinners. We were condemned with Adam when he sinned. Paul makes this very clear in Romans 5, especially in verse 12. Adam's sin was imputed to us so that we were condemned. We became sinners. And that's the bad news. If the story had stopped there, we wouldn't be singing today. The good news is there's a second imputation in which God imputed our sins to Christ. He imputed or assigned our sins to Christ at the cross. So when Paul says Christ became sin for us, he's really saying he became our sin, right? God imputed or assigned our sin to Christ at the cross. And what did Christ do with our sin? This isn't hard. He canceled it. He paid the death penalty that we deserve for our sin. He took all of our sin upon himself, right? He became what Paul says in in Romans 3, a propitiation. Why does he use these words? Well, because he wants to be precise. What's a propitiation or propitiatory sacrifice? It is a wrath-averting sacrifice. So, get this. God the Father imputes or assigns our sins, all of your sins, past, present, and future, to Christ at the cross so that he could pay for them, cancel them. He took your sin on and he averted God's wrath by taking all of God's wrath for your sin upon yourself. Now, I know you know this. I know you understand this, but I wonder whether you live like it's true. Let me ask you, how complete is God's forgiveness of your sins in Christ? 100%. Nothing left over? You don't have to run spiritual laps when you sin? or No. 100%. What did Jesus say at the end? It is finished. I've done it. There's nothing left to do. There are no loose ends. God's word is so clear that for us who are in Christ... All of our sins, past, present, and future, have been nailed to the cross of Christ, guaranteeing, as Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, you can never again be condemned. Not only is there no condemnation for us who are in Christ, we're not only uncondemned, we're uncondemnable because he took it all. Right? The hammer of God's wrath and con- con- condemnation was smashed on Christ, and the hammer was obliterated into less than nanoparticles. It's no longer here. Which means that if you're in Christ, you can never again be separated from the God who reconciled you to himself forever by uniting you to Jesus Christ, who bore your sins and canceled them at the cross. Which is why Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, in him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We have forgiveness. We hold it. We possess it. It is ours. This is why John says in 1 John chapter 2 verse 12, I'm writing to you little children because your sins are forgiven which is really interesting because just a few verses earlier in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, John calls us to confess our sins. But whatever that means, I'll talk about it in a second, it can't mean that we have to get forgiveness from God. Because 1 John 2, 12 says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins already are forgiven. The truth is, That for us who are in Christ, to ask God for forgiveness is like asking the bus driver of a bus you're already on to get on the bus. Mr. Bus Driver, Could I get on the bus? He's like, what? What are you doing? You're, You're on the bus. No, I really want to get on the bus. Please, 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 won't you just let me on the bus this one time? You're on the bus. Go back and enjoy the ride. You see, in Christ, we've already received all the forgiveness we will ever need. All of our sins, past, present, and future, are already canceled, which means that we, the beloved sons and daughters of God in Christ, confess our sins not to get forgiveness, but to enter into and enjoy the forgiveness that is already ours in Christ. Good news? What if I told you that's only half of the good news? The doctrine of justification, of God making us right in Christ, what Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, begins with forgiveness. But then, Paul says, forgiveness is really just the precursor to what God does next because having cleansed us from sin, he then crowns us with the very righteous obedience of Christ so that God sees us just as he sees his son, Jesus. For our sake, God made him to be sin, though he knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let that sink in. How does God view you if you belong to Jesus Christ? As simply blameless as if you haven't sinned? That's true. But there's more, Paul says. He sees you as the very righteousness of God. A phrase that refers almost always in Scripture to obedience, perfect obedience Right? He's applying it to people here, and it's really synonymous to Christ's righteousness. So, the righteousness of God here is, is, is perfect obedience to Him. And here Paul says God sees you in Christ as if you are perfectly obedient to Him all the time, perfectly righteous in Him all the time. How many of you would say, Yeah, I, I do it right all the time? Uh uh-uh. uh. So how can it be that God sees us as perfectly righteous, perfectly obedient all the time? Well, he gives us the answer when he says, it is in Christ that we might become the righteousness of God. Here's the third imputation, remember? First one, our sins are imputed or or Adam's sins are imputed or assigned to us and we are condemned. The good news of the gospel is that our sins have been imputed or assigned to Christ where they were canceled. But there's a third imputation in which God assigns Christ's very righteousness and perfect obedience to us so that God now sees us not only as, as blameless before him, but as righteous just as his son is Righteous. Paul talks about this in Romans 5.19 when he says that uh, through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Even so, through one act of righteousness, the many will be made righteous. He says in Philippians 3, I want to know Christ. I want to be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. The righteousness that comes from God in Philippians 3 is the righteousness of God that Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, where he says, God has not only imputed your sins or assigned your sins to Christ and canceled them, he's taken Christ's righteousness And assigned it to you. Amen. Is this good news? It's crazy news. This is what theologians refer to as the great exchange. Jesus got our sins at the cross and he canceled them there. And then we got his full obedience so that God sees us as his fully obedient, righteous children all the time. He not only forgives us for our sins, He crowns us with Christ's righteousness. And the more you understand this, the more you will enter into and enjoy the, the peace that God died, that Christ died to secure for you. The good news of the gospel is that, as we've seen this morning, for our sake, God the Father made Christ to be sin, though he knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, which practically means God sees you just as he sees Jesus Christ right now. You were just singing. We were just singing about the glory of God, the glory of Christ. God sees you in Christ, so he sees you as he sees Christ. Matthew 3, what did God the Father say about his son as he came out of the waters of baptism? That's right. Okay, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. If you were in Christ, you are God's beloved daughter, his beloved son, In whom he is well pleased, not because of anything you have done, but because of everything he has done for you. And this is true of you. God sees you as his righteous, perfect child, even in the midst of your deepest, darkest sins. Some of you have struggled with pornography in the last 24 hours. Some of you have have lied, cheated, gossiped. Who knows? You know what your sins are, your habits, your addictions. You know that you hated it. You didn't want to do it maybe even, but you said, God, I did it again. Now where do I stand? Here's the good news of the gospel. Even in your worst moments, God sees you as his deeply loved, fully pleasing, totally accepted son or daughter in Christ. How can that be, you say? Because the gospel isn't about you. It's about Jesus. It isn't about what you can crank out. It's about what he has done. He's lived the perfect life that you don't live. He's died a sacrificial death to cancel your sin. He's risen from the dead and has ascended to be your advocate at the right hand of the Father and who has united you to Christ so that he sees you just as he sees Christ. Now, does that mean God doesn't care about our sin? Paul faced the same question as he proclaimed the gospel of grace. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? How does he respond? By no means, impossible, perish the thought. He uses the, in, in the Greek and the, all that's going on there, it is the most aggressive form of how could you even say that? That makes no sense, impossible. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Of course God cares about our sin because our sin dishonors him and ruins us by keeping us from entering and enjoying the life he's purchased for us. Yes, God cares for our sin, cares about our sin. But what does John say? 1 John 2, 2, I love this verse. My little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. What's the next verse? What part of that sentence? But if you do, I'm like, oh. I'm the but if you do guy, right? He might as well have said, when you do sin, don't sin. Right? Sin is destructive. Dishonors God, ruins you. Don't sin. But if you do, what does he say? We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, who has become the propitiation. There's that word again, the wrath averting sacrifice for our sins that has allowed God to forgive our sins and ultimately crown us with the very righteousness of Christ So that even now, and even in the midst of your deepest, darkest sin, you are deeply loved, fully pleasing, totally accepted, and complete in Christ. Because it's about him, not you. It's about his performance, not yours. I want you to hear this. If you never did another good thing for God, he wouldn't love you any less than he does now. And if you did every possible good thing you think you could do, he wouldn't love you anymore. Because he loves you and sees you as he loves and sees his son, Jesus Christ. You're set. This reality just sets me free to confess my sins to be sure. The word confess, the Greek, there are two parts to it. Homo legeo, homo means same, legeo means to say. So to confess our sins simply means to say the same thing about our sins that God does. God calls it sin, but he also calls it forgiven. So you can't even confess your sin without acknowledging that your sins are already forgiven. Which gives me this hope then that through the power of the Holy Spirit, I can just get up from that sin and move forward with Christ. No wallowing, no beating myself up, no diving into the shame cycle because I know that God in his grace has justified me. He has made me right in Christ, not only forgiving my sins so that I'm blameless, but crowning me with the very righteousness of Christ so that he sees me just as he sees you if you are in Christ as holy and blameless and righteous in him. And because that's true, you never need to fear your relationship with God being broken. You're always in right relationship with him in terms of father, son. We turn away. We're kind of like that toddler that twists out of the arms of a parent, but the the parent still holds on, and all we have to do is turn back. Oh, he was there all the time. He's already provided all we need to enjoy him. This truth is so precious to me. The more it sinks into my heart, the more I rest and relax and find joy in the Father. The more compelled I am to just love him and follow him, to live loved by him and love others. Because I get off that treadmill. And we often get on a treadmill. Even though we believe we're saved by grace, we act like we've got to do stuff in order to gain or keep God's approval. Paul says, no. God made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the very righteousness of God. Where are we with time? Are we done? Okay, yeah, she says yes. Okay, here's here's your assignment. Here's what I want you to meditate on today. If this is true, what if you actually believed this? What if you actually believe that God sees you just as he sees his son, Jesus Christ? How would that change your relationship with God? Write that down. How would that change my relationship with God? How would that change my relationship with myself? How would my self-talk change? Would I just beat myself up and pile on? I always knew you were a loser. Or will I find myself saying what God says about me? You're deeply loved, fully pleasing, totally accepted, even now. Because it's not about what you do, but what Christ has done. How would it change your your relationship with God, your relationship with yourself, and then your relationship with others? This is earth-shaking stuff. God, would you give us the grace to see as you want us to see? Today, we thank you for Jesus, who lived the perfect life that we don't live. And then died a sacrificial death to cancel our sins at the cross. Only to rise from the dead to prove not only that he didn't deserve to die, but that he was your righteous son. He ascended to your right hand as your righteous son. And now you've united us to him so that you see us in him. Which means every moment of every day we're deeply loved, fully pleasing, totally accepted, and complete in Christ. Every moment of every day we can get up in the power of your spirit and move forward into that reality. Would you help us to do that today in Jesus' name? Amen. Thank you for listening today. Boise Bible College exists to raise up leaders for the church where we value scholarship, humility, innovation, and community. For more information about Boise Bible College, please see boisebible.edu.